God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. two exercises, and that's what we're going to do. We're not going to get into James today. We're just going to do these two exercises. It's very important. We had a very good class about these two exercises that we're about to do. I sent it to you so you can read it in advance. Okay? Nancy's going to read what she's about to read, and then she's going to read the story, which is the prodigal son. So you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter, what is it, 16? Verse 11. But she's going to read this first. Go ahead, Nancy. Reading the Bible contextually. Mm -hmm. Last week, we looked at two videos that were very thought-provoking as far as studying the Bible, understanding cultural context. We learned the difference between transliteration and translation. We also began to look at the Bible without partiality or prejudice. Believing that through this endeavor, we can read the Bible, God's Word, with fresh eyes and open hearts. So today, we're going to explore the first of many exercises to break us from only looking at the Bible through our particular lenses of Western partiality. Coming to understand that partiality that is not checked and challenged will eventually turn into prejudice, even in our interpretation of the scripture. Okay, so open up your Bibles to... Open up your Bibles to, uh, to Luke. Come on in, come on in. Open your Bibles to Luke. We wait till everybody comes in. Chapter 16. And what I'm going to have Nancy do is, I'm going to have Nancy read through the whole story of the prodigal son. Okay? I'm going to have Nancy read through the whole story. Come on in, come on in. I'm going to have Nancy read through the whole story of the prodigal son. And then once you finish reading the story of the prodigal son, you're going to close your Bible. And then I'll leave the discussion from there. Okay? So pay attention. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make a difference what version you have. You read the version you choose. Okay? Because we discovered what the main points I'm talking about, they're basically the same. So pay attention because you're going to close your Bibles. And then we're going to have a discussion about the prodigal son. All right? Okay, where is so, it? I'm sorry. Uh, Luke 16. Okay. Luke, yeah. Luke 15? Yes. I'm sorry, Luke 15, verse 11. Start at verse 11. Okay, t- when everybody get it, say amen. Amen. When you get it, say amen. Amen. Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. Now turn your Bibles off. Turn them over. Turn them off. Uh, free to read the camp. I don't want you to participate in this because you did this morning. So you'll be able to chime in later. All right. Venus, I'm going to give them a chance because Venus know where I'm going. But I'm going to let her participate because this is what I want to do. Close your, all your Bibles are closed. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell me a story in your own words. <clears throat> well, there's a father who has two sons. He splits his wealth up between them. Hold on, before you tell me the story, one more question for that. There's a, how many people, how many characters are in this story? Well, there's the one telling the story. Well, well no, that's, that's not in the story. Give me, give me. Father, two sons, and one servant that he talks to. Is that it? Other than Frida? Is that it? Is that the only? Is there's, there's only four characters in the story, right? That, well, there's more. Okay, who's who's more? I don't know. Well, he How, the, the, people the, the people who he sent them out in the field. They would mean. Okay, give me the people. characters in the story. Mm -hmm. Tell me who the characters okay. are. The father, the two sons, um, the servant, the um, the. The one who sent them out in the field. I don't know which right, one. the one who sent yeah. them to the field. Um, so we got five characters, right? <clears throat> All right, everybody agree with that? Okay, because this is what I'm saying. Don't try to think what I'm thinking. And don't just, mm -hmm. just, you, the story is read to you. What did you hear? Was there five characters? Yes or no? Or was there more? Or less? More. more. Who do you, okay, Stacey, give me the other ones. The people he spent his money on. He spent it with riders living, so he had to do that with somebody. Okay. His brother referenced the prostitute. Okay. But well okay. We're gonna say five. But I but you're right. You picked up some more detail, which is good. This is a good exercise in detail. So we're gonna say five. The five that we said. The two brothers, the father, the servant, and who else? The person who sent him in the field. Mm -hmm. There are the people that's identified. Okay? Now, tell the story. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So he divides his wealth up between the two sons. Mm -hmm. uh, the one son goes off and he squanders his, his wealth, mm -hmm. blows all his money on prostitutes and loose living. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ends up blowing it all so he doesn't have anything. So then he goes to, get, to work for uh, one of the local people of the town mm -hmm. so that he can afford to have bread because all his father's servants have more than enough bread. Mm -hmm. So he goes and uh, as he's a servant, the guide sends him out to feed the swine. Mm -hmm. And while he's out there is whenever he does realize that he's kind of at a low point, his mm -hmm. father's servants are well off, more well off than he is. Mm -hmm. So that's whenever he decides that he's going to go back and uh, tell his father that he sinned against him. Okay. And uh, 
So he goes back mm -hmm. and he tells his father, and his father is happy to see him. His father's what? Uh, happy to see him. Okay. So he runs out and embraces him after he says he'd sinned against him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other son gets word of this from his servant, and mm -hmm. uh, after he gets word of it, he gets jealous, mm -hmm. and he's like, well, how come he never did that for me? He's killing the fattened calf for him, mm -hmm. giving him the best robe and all this, and how come he never did that for me? Mm -hmm. So then he goes, and he tells, uh, and he can, er, he goes and uh, talk, ends up speaking to his father about it. Okay. And telling him that he's, you know, how come he never did this for me and my friends? Mm-hmm. And uh, his father had said, uh, your brother was lost, mm -hmm. but now he is found. Okay, Steve did and a real... that calls for rejoice. Okay, Steve did a real good job. Uh, Stephanie, did he miss anything? From your point of view, is there something you could add to the story? That you can think of? Um, I... There's no right or wrong. I think that, you know, the son that admitted he was a sinner and came back, even okay. though he did wrong. Was okay, that's, okay, you're running to application. You're running to, to interpretation. I just need the story. Did he miss anything in the story? No. Okay, anybody else besides Venus? And you too, because I told you. So no, you don't get to be, you don't get to raise your hand. So, Nancy, it's up to you. Is there anything else that you <laughs> And Arsenio, who been drifted okay. away. All right, well. Went downstairs uh, for a second. Do you think there's anything missing in the story that you read? Since you read it. Yeah. Yeah. He at, okay, so when he was saying that he. Uh, or, he or you to tell the story to get to that part if you want to. Tell the story real quick. Just, uh, so, at the beginning, uh, the son asks for his money. Like, mm -hmm. give me what's due to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, he asked for him, but the father was like, all right, here you go. Um, and he, you know, he, Steve filled in a lot of the good stuff. He was, uh, he wanted to, um, this is so good. Ain't it, baby? <laughs> um, so he, and just based on, on his story, I have to recap, but mm -hmm. he was actually, he was thinking to himself like, man, I no, nobody gave him anything when he right. was going to feed the swine. Nobody gave him any food. Right. So, um. And moving on, he, he did come to himself. He was like, I'm mm -hmm. just going to face my dad. And I'm going to tell him when okay. I'm back. Um, so I kind of mimic basically what he said. Okay. So in, 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 in you listening to yourself and listening to Steve, was there any part that was left out that you think? Now I want you to read the story again. Okay? I want somebody else to read the story other than Venus. Read the story. Pick it up at uh, verse uh, round 13. Somebody else read out of their Bible. What would you read out of? Um, I am um, uh, ESV. ESV, okay. What's the temporal version you're going to read it out of before you read? NAS. NASB? Yeah, NASB. Okay, all right, go ahead. <clears throat> and he said, a man had two sons. Mm -hmm. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Mm -hmm. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and mm -hmm. went on a journey into a distant country, mm -hmm. and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Mm -hmm. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to, to be impoverished. Stop. What did everybody miss? Famine. Now, the question you got to ask yourself is, why did you miss it? Right, Venus is right. It's not important. We don't think about that famine. We think we trying to get to the application. <coughs> Everybody missed it. So you guys, they class missed it too. I missed it too. I've been missing it. I missed it too. For for years. 
Why would the family be important? And who would it be important to? And the question is, why is it important to you? Can anybody answer that? Why is it not important to you? Because we had never gone through a famine. We've always had food when we need Speak up. The world listening to you. <laughs> We've always had food. We, we don't think of that. Whenever we need food, it's there. Because we are blessed. We are a wealthy country. I'm looking for one word to begin with A. We are, well, I talked to Americans. Oh. <laughs> we are Americans. And Amer what we know in America, even though we have people who will go hungry, famine is not what we call it. No. We just call it being poor. Mm -hmm. Well, even poor got a place to go. There is no famine in the land. No. Okay? Now, who would famine be important to? Now, who, what culture would famine be important to? Anybody? Eastern? But also people who work the land. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even now, if the farmers had a family, it would, it would mm -hmm. devastate them. Yeah. Okay. But what, but, but what culture in particular, in, in scripture, do we find that there's always a famine happening sometime or another in the Middle East? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's always, God used famine to punish, didn't he? Yeah. So, for someone who reads this story, famine may be important. Something we gloss over and look at. Now, Stephanie, let's go to application, interpretation. So now we, we added something to our context of famine. We're looking at it from the Western point of view, which everybody did good. So we picked up one little tidbit, famine. Okay? So now let's look at the interpretation. Give me some interpretation. There's a lot of pieces to interpret, but give me some interpretation. Okay, so reading this, mm -hmm. like I was saying... You gotta um, keep your Bibles closed now. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all don't get to look at your Bibles. Go ahead. Just tell me what you think about the story. Okay. Interpret-wise. And so the son went off mm -hmm. and he was lost. Yes. And now he is found. Mm -hmm. And he has repented mm -hmm. and has something to be rejoicing over. Praise God. Really good. The most important thing to Stephanie is there was a son that was lost and now he's found. Stephanie, and I see it, this is not right or wrong. I just want to expand your mind. Stephanie trip off the fact that you lost that you spent his stuff in lascivious living, didn't, didn't she? <laughs> she didn't say nothing about that, did she? Mm -hmm. She went straight from a son that was lost. It makes no difference what he did, right? Right. To you, because you're like, you see the bigger picture of son lost, son found. If we start at verse 1 in chapter uh, 15, he has two more parables that's simply about lost and found. Mm -hmm. So you can fill in the blanks on the story of a parable of yourself, but the, the key is lost and found. Now, what's another, what's another interpretation, Venus? What else can we draw from this? I guess for me, mm -hmm. um, the the other brother. Okay, which one? The older brother. The older brother. Uh huh. Because the older brother felt betrayed because he stayed and worked the land and stayed with his father and didn't squelch his inheritance. Mm hmm And um and because he didn't, he looked at his he looked at his dad like, well, why are you? We we got a family. Why are you? Uh, slaying this calf for him when mm -hmm. he went out on his own. Did nobody tell him to go anywhere. So why are you showing partiality to him? Right. And I've been doing right, and he's been doing wrong. Right. And so there, if you apply some, God doesn't care about the what you didn't do or what you didn't do. He's worried about the collective. He's okay. worried about the whole. And so it's the same thing with the lost sheep. We went. You go after that one lost sheep, despite you know um, mm -hmm. you got all these other sheep. The one, the ones that are with me are fine. Yeah. I need to go find the one that has walked away from me. Right. Okay. What scripture? Venus just said something about the non-partiality of God towards the people that He loves. What scripture? It, off the top of your head, if you may not have one, this describes that. Give me the scripture. Just if you can, you ain't got to find it. Just if you got to verbalize it. What scripture decides? What scripture gives us the impartiality of, of God? I got two of them in my head. Yeah, show no partiality. Okay. Any other scriptures? 
And I know y'all, when I say it, y'all be like, oh, that's like, oh. <laughs> I think it's one you had us read last night, yesterday. Okay. We read that, Stephen. Yeah. But, 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 but God, but God brings on the what? An unjust delight. God's no respecter of what? Of persons. <laughs> yeah. See, what you just said is God, and what we see is we see, we see God being the Father is a representative of who? Of God. And he's being questioned by one of his sons. Why didn't you do that to me? Because he stayed. And you know what I'm saying? That's what, I mean, that's a normal thing. Of like, okay, you went and spent all your money. Now you're coming back and you get the best stuff. But I told, and it's the same principles we're talking about. It don't matter if you came five minutes before the end of the shift or the first part of the shift. It doesn't matter because you're still going to get, it's, a, it's about the whole. And it's, it's the, it, you know, it take your eye away mm -hmm. and look at everybody else. And, and think about this. Vincent, it made me think of another. You just gave us a story of another scripture where it talked about there were people that were God had hired, the king had hired at the early in the day, and they worked all day. And then he hired some other people later in the day, and he paid them all the same. And the ones who worked all day said, These people came late. Yeah. But the, the word that you should be, the other word you should be looking for, God is sovereign. He knew what he wanted to do. He do what he want to do. He doesn't judge. By, see, this is the thing about what we have to get out of understanding. God doesn't judge by time in. He does by quality. Yeah. So you can be with him for a minute. And if you give him quality time, it'll be better than you if you were with him for a long time and didn't give him no quality. That's why this thing is not an attendance thing. It's a heart thing. It's a pursuit thing. I was telling him. I said, God gives revelation for those who diligently seek him. He doesn't owe you revelation just because you come to Bible study. You got to really want it. Here, you got to really want it here. Now, Middle Eastern culture says the family is more important because they experience family, and they get out of the cult and get out of this. Is this what we learn in the book? Is is that the most important part to them is God provides. Amen. See, so you didn't even look at Beaver. He down there with the, the pigs. Mm -hmm. He with the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. And you know, knowing you know, they did they, they didn't eat pork. They right. eat that. So he working for a nine people of his his um He works for a Gentile. Yes, instead of work whatever, because he wasn't even supposed to be even dilly dallying in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then he realized, oh, I had it good, let me go back home. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I guess to me it, the application wise is okay, it's the father the father will let you go out. But be, because it makes everybody in a whole better, he's gonna mm -hmm. make you let you come back. Because now you can take that experience and bring it to the family. So it could be a testimony. Yeah. One to your error and to two his goodness. Right. Okay. I want to go a step further. The base reason why he came back was what? He was hungry. He was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason he came back. Anytime he was hungry. Anytime the kids got more food than you do. He started thinking about, man, my father's service got food to eat. I don't have anything. So, see, famine, food, I'm hungry. So where I was, there's a famine. Yeah. And barely, we could barely feed the pigs. And I wish I could eat what they eat, but I can't. But I'm thinking about, man, I remember back when my dad used to feed me. And, man, lamb chops and... And now I'm sitting here amongst these pigs, and I'm hungry. But it's, isn't it interesting we do the same thing? Now watch this. Instead of telling his dad I'm back because I'm hungry, he goes into this lofty speech. I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to try to win him over with what? I oh, I sinned against you. I sinned against God. The reason why you're back is because you're hungry. I don't think it would have made a difference what the son said. The father was so glad to see him. Think about it as a parent. When your sons come back after they did something wrong, you don't really care what they say, do you? You glad to see them back? You don't listen to it, but it's like, you back because you need me. I know that, and that's okay, because I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. So you can go and give me the lofty, long speech and the violins, but the key part is that you back. So this was good exercise, because what you did was we all missed family. We read but we all missed it. And we missed it because of our culture. 
We missed it because the biggest thing is having stuff, squandering stuff, 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 stuff. That's what America's about. Because we don't really know what famine's like. You know? We don't know, but, 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 but a Jew, with the study of the Old Testament, there's famines throughout the Testament. In Joseph's time, there was a famine. And Ezekiel talked about that. In Ezekiel's time, there was a famine. See, there's famines where there's no food for nobody. So they would understand and relate to that more so than related to being a prince and receiving inheritance because everybody wasn't rich. So that part of the story to somebody who's just a sheep herder wouldn't mean anything because he, they're not going to receive an inheritance like that. Okay? So that's that exercise. So, so application, this means application. So we need interpretation, we need context. What are some applications? Tell, tell me, an application is, you read the story, you interpret the story, now tell me why it's good for me. It's good to see it from the time that they were in and see it from their point of view instead of ours. No, why is it good for me? How does it apply to me? How can it, what can I learn from it? Stephanie, you start, because you, cause you, you got the big picture right off the top. Nobody got what you got the first time around. Now, now that's I give you that. You, you got the big picture. Nobody got that. So I'm going to let you tell us. What, what's good about this for me? What, what can I learn from this? If you tell me this for the first time, you, you told me the story, you interpret the story, what do I supposed to learn from it? How can it help me? That. So, so follow about hungry. Christians. I, I think of the famine is also being hungry for God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Well, don't spiritualize it. Okay. A fam- that's a famine is a famine. That's a famine of food. That would have no famine of God. Okay. okay, that's what we That's another thing we do too quick. We want to spiritualize everything. That's not a spiritualization. There's some things you can spiritualize. Some morals. So give me a moral. A moral. Something like What's the moral of the story? What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is it's never too late. To do what? To come to your father. Good. That's it. Amen. Anything else? Any other morals of story? That forgiveness. I mean, because his dad was very forgiving. It, mm-hmm. it didn't even matter. Don't. Go ahead. Go ahead. His, yeah, so his, his dad being forgiving, it just welcomed him right on in. Now, watch this. The story just stops. And when you told a Jew that story, you know what the, their, their problems was? You didn't do nothing to your son. That squandered. Yeah, because you're supposed to be disciplined for that. Because that's wasteful. Jesus left him to think about it. And who is his father that would let you come back and put a ring on you? They wouldn't have done that. No, because that's not culturally correct. That's not what, what he did to his son by letting him come back after he had disobeyed all the cultural rules, taking his inheritance, going to squander it, living in a foreign nation. In Jewish culture, he was not supposed to be able to come back. Because that's what happened with Esau, who sold his birthright. Thank you. Did I say that this morning? Freedom, did I say that about Esau? Esau sold his birthright. That was supposed to happen. Basically, he did the same thing in a different way. Yeah. So back to what you said, a father that would accept us. And forgiveness. What Jesus is trying to tell the story is about forgiveness too. That there's a father that will forgive you. No matter what you do. And all you need to do is repent and come on back. Because it's through his repentance that he understood. See, when he came to himself, that's a form of repentance because he changed his mind about where he was to where he needed to be. So repentance leads you to, remember? The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of his father led him to repent. Because he remembered how good he had it with his dad. Okay? So nobody's wrong in this. It's just that where you pick up any other simple stuff. Any other uh, uh, application to this story? Don't be jealous of other people's blessings or what they receive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No matter how low you go, you still go to God. Yep, that's in line with Stephanie. Anything else? It's kind of in line with what she said, but it said that he was off in a faraway country. Okay. So it's almost like no matter how far away you get from God, you can always come back. Right. As long as you repent. Yeah. Okay. What about this one? Get your inheritance and don't squander it. <laughs> so just that simple. Get your inheritance. If you get some inheritance, don't squander it away. Don't spend it on prostitutes and riders living. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, like, life specifically yours and the way you live it will teach you things that your parents, you know, can't. 
You trapped it too deep. You trapped it too deep, man. Come on, break it down for me now. No, I'm saying like you go live your life. Your parents will hook you up and give you what you need. You go live your life, but you. You do whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. and it'll teach you life. You know, life lessons. Yes, life lessons mm-hmm. are louder than anything that your parents could have told you okay. before you decided to go live your life. Okay, so some things you got to some things you got to experience through going and experiencing them. Yeah, you don't learn a lesson until you go out and knock your head against the wall. Yeah, hard hitting niggas off Okay, so now <laughs> see all this dialogue. We have that little bit of passage. This is what I'm saying by expanding our mind. We miss one word, and one word to turn our minds in so many different directions that we can discuss this. Nobody's been wrong in this. Mm-hmm. I'm not. That's what I was trying to explain. This is where I'm saying, don't let your partiality make you prejudiced when it comes to the word of God. Be willing to expand your mind and look at it from different angles. It's the pothole. See that word? That word uh, famine was like a pothole. We just bloop, bloop, went over and kept going. <laughs> so, so now what we need to do is go back. And look at some of the passages that we've read before and deal with the potholes you know, that we done passed yes, over and just kept yes. reading. Okay? See, so that's, that's the key. Those be deal with the potholes. Now, if you want to listen to the people who wrote the book, what's the name of the book, Venus? Um, Miss, hold on, I pulled it up. Misinterpretation. Hold up. Here we go. This is the name of the book that we're both listening to. Misreading the scripture uh, with Western eyes. Removing Cultural Blinders to Better Understanding the Bible um, by E. Randolph Richard and Brandon, um, I can't see his name, I think it's O'Reilly. Okay, so it's, in, it's, in, it's on Audible and you can also buy the book, but it's a good Audible book. And this is, this is what I'm going to tell you. When we, when we do this, expand our minds to read scripture better, it's better for us and the people that we're around. So we go back and go to potholes and see on uh, Discover the Word, who listens to Discover the Word, anybody? I do sometimes. Okay. With on the, the um, art, uh, was this cruel? Is this cruel? No, no, no. Discover the words with three people. It's a fifteen-minute Bible study. No, I didn't. They introduced me to the book. Go back and listen to Discover the Word. They did it for two weeks. So Venus, they studied the book for two weeks, and that, and I listen every every day. Discover the Word is offered by the people who make daily bread. The daily bread It's with three people. It's a very short Bible study. It's only fifteen minutes a day. Go back, and you can really get. The authors in the Bible study talking about misery, especially some of Paul's writings. And yeah, it's like what I explained to you. He talks about Paul a lot. What I explained to you today, the author is actually explaining how these scriptures can be taken if we look at it from the contextual uh, uh, culture at the time. Okay, so since we, so what was shocked me was when I was listening to the show, they brought up Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yay! Then I was like, oh, we missed it. We missed it. So, let's go to Genesis. We didn't miss it on purpose. No. Because Venus actually gave it. That was a quiz question that she gave. But again, we didn't relate it back to Genesis. All right? So now we go to a familiar story. We talk about uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to read the one in Genesis. Then we're going to read it in Ezekiel. Then we're going to try to balance them out. We're going to try to make them relate to each other and not pick them against each other. Okay? Go ahead. In Genesis what? 19. Uh-huh. 1-11. Alright, let's go. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow 
came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Amen. Amen. All right. How many players we got on scene? Who we got in the store? Lot, two angels. Two angels, which Lot believes they're men. Go ahead. So I don't want nobody to say the two men. It's angels and the two men are the same people. Go ahead. The two daughters. Yeah, the two daughters. Okay. Huh? Is there a servant in there? No servant. No servant. What about the aggressors? The men. The men. All the men. Whatever That's four. That okay. Is there anybody else? Lot, the two daughters, the two angels, the men. Anybody else? I ain't looking for God, so don't, don't say that. Okay. All right. <clears throat> we got the players. You keep your book open for this one. Okay. You keep your book open for this one. Now, when we read... That story, and let's tell the truth, what do we say the worst thing happened in this story? What's the problem in the story? What do we, what do we say we go to in this story and say, look at them, they doing, they doing this, they want to do this. What is, this, what, what is our rub that rubs us culturally about this story? What is it? Men being with men. Men being with men, homosexuality. Because that's how we, Sodom and Gomorrah, we even got a crime called sodomy. Okay? Sodomize. Okay? They wanted to sodomize these these men that they thought were angels. So that's that's what we normally talk about when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Everybody. You know, it's just common. Okay. Now, culturally speaking, from our point of view, that's what we focus on all the time. Yeah. But there's some other parts of the story that we need to focus on, but not from our perspective, because it don't mean nothing to us. Yeah. So before we even go to Ezekiel, let's look what, what other parts of the story do you think we need to focus on? Well, whenever you ask the that question, like what part do we focus on? I thought you were gonna say the worst part being that he tried to give his two daughters away. Good. So that's a part. That's a part. He tried to give his two daughters away to some men that want to have sex with men. He wanted to substitute his daughters. The Bible says, "Do not whore out your daughters." It does. That's the Bible says, "Do not whore out your daughters." So, 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 and as he violated what. We believe is a is a commandment of God. But he did that because he thinks there's a greater commandment. What does he think the greater commandment is, Nancy? In the story. What does he think? What does he think the greater commandment is? That he would that he would sacrifice his daughters to protect these men. What do you would you call that? We call it a crime, but what does he think it is? He thinks, well. That's cultural. You gotta think, yeah. you gotta think about it. Yeah, you got to think about it now. Yes, it ain't going to just come to you. If I ask you to come over my house, right? I'm asking you to come over my house on Saturday, right? Yeah. And if somebody knock on the door and say they want to shoot you, what am I going to do? Am I going to throw you out there? No, you're going to sacrifice because you're going to sacrifice something else. I mean, no, no, no don't, think of, don't think of sacrifice. No. no. Anybody come to your roof should be what? Protect. Hospitality. They're the culture of Middle East to this day. If somebody comes into your home, you're supposed to protect them with your life. So in his mind, giving up his daughters to protect sojourners, and this is the Old Testament, you're supposed to protect a sojourner that comes into your house. You're supposed to feed them, you're supposed to clothe them, you're supposed to give them whatever they need, even if they're not Jewish. The Middle Eastern culture is a culture of hospitality. If you make it inside the door, you say. And it even says that, remember, like when we was talking about Ezekiel, when he talked about um, if, if uh, travelers come in yeah, and during sure the temple did. time, they get a, they, if they was in your tribe, they get land too. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the same principle. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't catch that before. I, I called it, but I didn't think about the culture. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with us, Venus just gave you a scenario, but with us, 
That's not the most important part of the story. The most important part of the story is the violation of homosexuality and the violation he gave his daughters. That's what we focus on. But a, a, a Middle Eastern person would say the biggest part is not the violation of daughters and it's really not the homosexual. Yes, it's bad. They know it. Yes, but it's not one. Number one is hospitality. Now, let's go to Ezekiel and see if that lines up. All right, Ezekiel what, Nancy? Ezekiel 16, mm -hmm. 49 through 56. Start at 48. 48. Mm -hmm. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Mm -hmm. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. Okay, start, count on your fingers the guilt of, of Sodom. Go ahead. She and her daughters mm -hmm. had pride. Right. Access of food. Two. Come on. And prosperous ease. Three. But did not aid the poor and the needy. Four. They were haughty. Five. And did an abomination before me. Six. So I removed them when I saw it. Stop. So how many sins do we have with Sodom? Six. Six. Now watch this. What does it start with? Pride. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride goes yeah, the pride goes before the fall. Yeah, pride goes before the fall. And it also tells us that what? The three deadly the three yeah, sins pride. are what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and what? Pride. The pride of life. So so Sodom had a pride of life. Now, it didn't say nothing about homosexuality. It didn't say nothing about it didn't say nothing about it didn't it, it's just said that they were arrogant basically. You can use other words. They were prideful. Unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. Yep. And they were hardy and detestable. Which lines up with what Ezekiel was talking about. Right. So now that doesn't match up with, with uh Genesis. So we got a problem, or do we really have a problem? Because he said it was worse. No, no, no. Do we really have a problem with, with, with lining up? Since Genesis say, since we got out of it in Genesis, homosexuality is a problem, which it is, and his getting up his daughters, which it is, that's not a problem here in, in Ezekiel. So how do we reconcile the two passages? Okay, so, so still, how do we reconcile the passage? Because somebody might say, see, see, and there's a group of people who do this, I went on a tangent today at the at first first that's why I couldn't publish it. But there's a group of people, the LBGT community says the biggest problem with Sodom was not homosexuality, it was hospitality. They picked one against the other. They they raised up one over the other to suit their needs. But it was but you can't you can't do that. But they because, do because it you it's, it's it was more than just the hospitality aspect, mm -hmm. it was all the other aspects all went one, yeah. just like here in Ezekiel. And mm -hmm. he's saying in Ezekiel that the, the Jews are worse than Solomon and Gomorrah because they know better. Mm -hmm. And so they they overfed, mm -hmm. they um arrogant, yeah. they unconcerned, they don't hold, uh, help the poor and the needy, they were hardy and detestable before mm -hmm. me. They The Jews are all, because we were read in Ezekiel, the Jews had all that and they had the homosexuality, and they had everything else, but they also were worse because they knew better. Okay, that's right. But what I'm looking for is, if 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 if, if all sin starts with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, then pride and those other two are the base, and the and the manifestation of it is simple homosexuality. Right, that but that, I mean, he killed what's the call of them um, when, in Ezekiel. He talked about killing what's called because in Egypt because they was prideful. Yeah. And he and, and what's the call? He also talked about who else died uh, um, that don't exist no more. He talked about them. They were arrogant and they were prideful. It's mm -hmm. a repeat theme in yeah. Ezekiel about being arrogant and prideful, and that is the reason why they're not here today. It has nothing. I mean, it does, but it has nothing to do. With what your flesh did is what your your mind and your spirit well, did. Well, what I'm trying to bring out is is that it, it, if you want to, you can you can try to pick this against each other because the homosexual the LBGT community says the biggest problem that the Bible says is hospitality, but that's not the biggest problem. 
That is the, is the general picture, the pride. The specific manifestation in Genesis is the homosexuality. Yeah. Okay? Wow. Pride leads to homosexuality. You know what pride, how it does lead to? Because you're in love with yourself so much, you want to have sex with yourself. Okay? And that's what a lot of daughters did, too. They yep. were in love with themselves so much, they got their daddy drunk to have, to have sex with them. Go ahead. Wouldn't the, um, like, even the men inside them, if they know that the culture is about hospitality, they didn't even care about the hospitality. They was like, I don't care about the hospitality. I still want what I want, even though culturally they was, they... Well, you got to mention the culture, the culture of Sodom was, was Gentile. Gentile. Got it. They were pagans. You remember Lot was relative Abraham. Yeah, Lot was a relative of Abraham. Oh, and so we're talking about the Jewish culture. The, okay. So yeah. he was, Lot was... A foreigner living in... He was a Gentile. Okay. Living in Sodom. Mm -hmm. All right. And his problem was he got too close to him. Yeah. Because at first Lot was outside of the city of Sodom. Of Sodom. And then if you read the story of Genesis, he took outside, but then eventually he moved inside. Okay. It's too close to Gentiles, that's one of the things, too close to them Gentile people who are ungodly, you'll get burned. Okay? You'll get burned. But what we have to understand is go to Romans. Chapter 1. And I think we started. Freddie, what did we start at? Verse 16? Uh no, you wanted Romans 1 more? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 16. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So, Freddie, you restart Romans 1, 16. 18, I'm sorry. 18, okay. 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Stop. The wrath of God is revealed from all men because they reveal, they, they're holding the righteousness. They suppress the truth. The wrath of God. What's the difference between the wrath of God and the chastisement of God? What are they saying? He chastises those he loves. Thank you. The wrath of God is for unbelievers, for sinners. He chastises those he loves. He gives wrath to those who disobey and unbelievers. Okay? And this is saying that they held the truth in their unrighteousness. They knew the truth. They held the truth. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna say it again. They held it. And he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and all those who are like Sodom and Gomorrah. Go ahead, read for what can be known about God is plain to them mm -hmm. because God has shown it to them. So God shows it to them. Go ahead. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are so they are without excuse. So he's saying by the things that you see in this world, you know there's a God. You don't have to be religious. Mm -hmm. Just the fact you wake up every day and you see nature. God is revealed in nature. The sky, the moon, the stars, the birds, everything that works on a time schedule, that reveals that there is a God. So man is with what? Without excuse. Okay, go ahead. For although they knew God, they did not honor God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So they knew God, first problem, because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, we don't honor God as God. But we know and we don't thank God. So we, 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 we don't have any gratitude. We're ingrates. We just assume that God got to give it to us because he, he is a just God. He reigns on the unjust and the just alike. But what we do is those who are unjust take advantage of it and say, look, hey, he going to do it for me anyway. You ain't grateful. You ain't grateful. Okay, keep going. But they became futile in their thinking, mm -hmm. and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. God didn't darken their heart. They darkened, darkened their own heart by not accepting who God was. Go ahead. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Uh-huh. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Don't that go along with what Venus taught us that happened in Ezekiel? Uh-huh. That they began to, 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 to worship idols? The things that are made, made out of wood and gold and what have you. But this would be what Sodom was doing. Sodom had a, had, had a religion, had a culture of idol worship. And what Paul is doing is breaking it down, saying this is where it stems from. Now let's see the continuation of that. Go ahead. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to mm -hmm. the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. So in other words, they worshiped, they worshiped everything that was around them but didn't work with the creator that was invisible. Mm -hmm. They exchanged it, the truth for a lie. Okay? It gets worse. Go ahead. Who is blessed forever. Mm -hmm. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to this honorable passion. For this reason. You got to go back and read all of that. For all of those things, God gave them up to their, gave them over to their own lust, meaning God took his hand off of them. And now he says, for this reason, go ahead. God gave them up to this honorable passion. Mm -hmm. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Okay. And the men, likewise, gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Mm -hmm. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Okay. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to be the, to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Stop. That's Sodom. Played out in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Played out in the pride leading to all of this extra stuff. Okay? Because pride, pride basically says I'm right, I'm always right, I'm prideful about myself. And again, that could be taken to a, a bad level. And it ends up in homosexuality. Okay? Now, I don't know how a person gets out of the word of God that 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 uh, that the homosexuality is okay when this scripture is very plain. Very plain. Now my question is, reading Genesis, reading Ezekiel, we kind of discovered, we did a contextual background, we did kind of an interpretation, we got background information about basically how God had turned Sodom over to itself. And they became the base, and that's why they went out to these so-called men. What are we to learn from that, if anything? How can we apply that to our lives? What What should we do with that story? I think we should watch our pride, our pride, yeah. okay. and watch how much we love ourselves. Woo! And focus on ourselves. Say it again, Venus. How much we what? Focus on ourselves and love ourselves. Oh. And and what? And I'm gonna be honest. That book kind of made me open my eyes and stuff. Because it was saying, you think about what I did, what I'm doing, I take care of myself, I do this. And it's, it's not supposed to be an I thing, it's supposed to be, I'm supposed, whatever I do is supposed to contribute to the kingdom. So when I take the focus off <coughs> myself, then the pride goes away. Wow. Now, we spend a lot of money in America talking about self-esteem. Isn't it, is it a, a nice word for pride, self-esteem? Think about, think, think about this. The Bible teaches us that having too much pride is bad. We, we, we shouldn't think more of ourselves than we should. Mm -hmm. So natural man don't have a problem with self-esteem. No. But what we've done is trick ourselves in America like that's a big problem, especially with our women folks. Mm -hmm. The woman folk problem is she got low self-esteem. I would tell you, I would tell her this. You just don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would have no self-esteem. You would worry about self. Men don't have no self-esteem. And we're equal as far as those spiritual things. So why don't we have low self-esteem? Because the world tells us in the Western world that no matter what we go through, we don't need to feel low. But it's about, think about low self-esteem. It's really about flesh. Yeah. It's really not about the spirit of God. It's about flesh. You feel low because something happened to you. Or somebody said something about you or how you look or your physique when it really is, it shouldn't be focused on that. So when you get focused on self, you're trying to develop pride. Yeah. <laughs> if you got low self-esteem, yo, you spend all this time. I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna be proud. I'm gonna be proud of my body. I want to be proud of myself. And God says, and where we read in James the day with my encouraging word, it says in James uh, one and nine, it says that look, for those who are rich need to be brought low. And those who are poor need to be brought up. But each one is just grass. Yeah. Because mm. when we die, we just, we just going to be flesh. And, and it's not going to matter how much money or how good my body was. It's, it, what really matters is what did I contribute to the whole. To the kingdom. How did I serve God? So your pride should be not so much in self, but in how you bring what you bring uniquely to the body of Christ.
That's what you should have pride in. And I'm not talking about unbalanced pride because that part of that is humility. Yeah. You got to humble yourself. Okay? You got to humble yourself. And he'll exalt you in due time. But even his exaltation of you as you humble, you're always humbling yourself. I was just talk, telling uh, uh, Steve, I said, you know, it, it doesn't make a difference where you sit. But I told them today, if I, if I couldn't see completely, I would know where everybody said And I could pick y'all off most of the time because you're sitting in the same spot. And the goal is this. If somebody come in and sit in your spot that you normally pridefully hold down, <laughs> your partiality to that spot. I don't have no problem with you having that partiality to that spot. But my problem would be is when that spot becomes something of prejudice and pride. It's your spot. This God church. I wouldn't care if you sat in the pulpit. I really wouldn't. I'm not going to look at you funny. I've experimented a couple times and there's been some distinctive reactions. <laughs> what they doing up in there? What didn't happen? I didn't, did I miss something? Why are they up there? They up there because they're sitting there because I asked them to come up or to sit down. It doesn't, it's no magic to that. Okay? I love when people come up here and do the and I, they do it out of, you know, <laughs> like there's an invisible wall up there or something. You know, but, but see, we got to break all of that. But, we, but the thing I want us to expand our mind is we need to go back through Ezekiel in our own private time and go over the potholes that we just looked over. And it's a whole bunch of them. I'm up to 30 in my own private examining Ezekiel again. Stuff I just looked over because we read past it. Venus talked about it, but it's more significant than I thought. It doesn't change anything that we've learned, but it can enhance what we've already learned. So as we go in James, we're going to get what we normally get, but we're looking for the potholes. That's why we ain't ready for That's why I didn't go into James yet. Yes, we're going to get to James. We all thought we was in James. Yes, we are in James. But we're going to be looking for the potholes. So we can discuss it and dig a little deeper. So that was the exercise. Just to see that you can look at something and miss it because of our culture and our backgrounds. Even between us and you guys, there's parts of the Bible that we interpret different or look at different just in our American, Caucasian culture and African American culture. Now, does it make a difference? It shouldn't. But we should be able to respect each other's differences and say, look, how does this all fit? That's why I love God even the more, because he breaks through all cultural barriers. There's something in it for somebody. Even if you didn't get the part about the, about the, 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 the daughter being offered up, there's much more to get. And just because you didn't get it don't mean that you're wrong. I thought when I kept reading, I was like, when he left and he took his two daughters, we left his other kids. Mm hmm. Well, they were in laws, right? No, he had kids that had married other people. Mm hmm. Oh, okay. So he not only his wife died, he lost his kids. Mm hmm. Because he, remember when you get they married, stayed. when you get married, you cleave to your lover. <coughs> so even if your daddy leaving, that you couldn't leave with your daddy because you you cleave into that person, so you stuck. Mm-hmm. Which makes it, it, it made it more deeper because I'm like, dang, that's Cleveland. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm gone. But I could leave because culturally, once I married, I belong to a different family. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because the two of you do it. He goes to his son's laws and they thought he was joking, so huh? they stayed behind. I know that. Yeah, they, they did. And they but stayed yeah, behind. Yeah. But that's a repeat yeah. theme also because even knowing kids. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they went at first. They went on. They, they went on with with him, but at first they thought he was crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the key. There's so much that we could draw, and I'm not gonna go into it because because you know I just wanted to show you. Whatever you draw out of this, you draw out of this. Whatever you can give as an application in your life, that's fine. Okay, but we want to dig deeper so we can be broader in the people that we can talk to. And if somebody comes to us and misses what we normally get, and it's there, like the word famine. Yeah. I'm not talking about make up stuff. Right. I'm talking about it's there. We just cross over it. Then I think we should entertain what they've got to say about it. And, and just listen. To the level of selfishness that you had, yeah. that you really didn't think you really had, because 
culturally wise, it's okay to be selfish, it's okay to be independent, it's okay to be who you are, mm -hmm. but in reality, because we think like that, that's why our relationships are screwed up. Yep. Yep. And that's why, in the, and really, we're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. It's evident. Yep. Abortion is about selfishness. <laughs> Along with LBGT is about selfishness. Well, even, but even, even being fornicated is about selfishness. Mm -hmm. Because we can't wait. <coughs> yep. Yeah. So America's like this, but again, we know better now. So what we need to do is focus on what God tells us to do. And not worry about self-esteem. Let God exalt us. And God's exaltation got to be better than the self-esteem that I want to manufacture myself. Amen. You know, you okay. You know what? You okay at who you are. Now, there's some things you might want to tweak in your life, but it's, but, but it's better to be okay spiritually. And know that you're God's child than to worry about trying to please all these other people who really don't care about you. They say they do, but it's obvious they don't because they'll be more, if, if they really loved you, they'll be more cared about your spirit. And your, your, your spiritual health than they are about your physical appearance of attractiveness. Because nobody goes out here to try to be unattractive. You know, we're not talking about the, the, the extreme other end, but man, you okay. If you want to do it, do it. But don't do it, do it for nobody else. Do it for yourself in this sense. Okay, because that makes out. See, that's what I'm saying. We can't get away from being selfish. Because I just said, do it for yourself. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, but it's built into us. Yeah. That's what America is about. It's about me. Self-care is important. Mm -hmm. Self-care yes. is where the temple of God is. Yes. There you go. Thank you. Before you say that, it's not, we, not, we collectively is the temple of God. We not individually a temple of God. In order for that's why we have to commune together and one another, because that's what I learned from the book. It's not so much, but collectively, it's not a whole bunch of temples walking around. God comes. The body of Christ is in the body, and so therefore, they explain in the book how um, Eastern and Asians um, have to go talk to their families before they can accept Christ, because what they do affects everybody else. It's not just me; it's us. It's it's like a unit, mm -hmm. and so. They can't. They say, oh, you make sense. But if my family say, I can't do such and such, we can't accept this. And so we have to start thinking about it's a we thing. Because why, just think about it. Why do we come together if we can praise God at home? We come together because God is more present when we're together. Yes. We commune with one another because he's more present when Amen. we're together and not apart. And so therefore, that's what happens. When you get depressed, you feel alone. But you shouldn't be able to be depressed as a Christian because somebody else should be like, you know what, I ain't seen Sister Venus in two Sundays. Let me go figure out where she is because without her, we are we missing a part. Praise God, yes. And so that's the lesson I learned that not not only the, the amount of selfishness, I I did this, this is this is whatever, it now makes me a little bit more opens my mind and say, no, it's not an I thing. It's a we thing. It's a we thing. And now I don't feel some kind of way about letting go of my independence because it's not me. Mm -hmm. Two become one. And, and that makes me more comfortable because I was having anxiety about that because Venus did this, Venus did that, and I want nobody coming in messing up what I did, but I didn't do anything. Amen. God bless Amen. you. And, and that's why I have us pray with holding each other's hands because other than our prayer, and other than our, 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 when we hug each other and everybody go around meeting, greeting each other during that time, you really, really run into each other. Yeah. And there's not a physical contact between you two of love. And it just extends our love even the more. Like, like Stephanie said, she knows the love. Well, the love started with us holding hands. Think about there's a time when there was just maybe eight of us in here and we, we did the circle. The circle was right here. Yeah. You remember them days? The circle was just right here. Yeah. Just us. But the, the, the reason why I did that was because I wanted to sh so be a unit because it does. He said, in the, the Bible says about the prayers of the, that he inhabits the prayers of the who? The so not the one person, but the unit. Mm -hmm. So when we lift up holy hands on Sunday to give God some praise, God looks at that as a sweet aroma of his body coming together to worship in spirit and in truth. Yes. So everybody's important. It has nothing to do with what we do. It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. Go ahead. 
I heard you, Stephanie, though, when you said, I guess a better way to put it would be like, we personally, my body is a temple. It's not the temple, but it is a temple. And I want my part of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit that's for me to dwell in me, mm -hmm. which is why I have self-care and I take care of my temple. Mm -hmm. Your so personal temple of, of my, your part of yeah, the body. Yes. Because yeah, the body is made up of many members, and every member yeah, needs to make sure it's right. okay. Yeah. Because we're only strong as I would. Weakest member. Yeah. And I, 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 I was understanding that too. I get both points, but I do understand because if I'm if I'm lacking, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not taking if I'm not taking care of myself, you mm -hmm. know, I'm not I'm just not doing it. Mm -hmm. It's gonna probably put me into. Well, you know. But, but in America, understand. you know, we overtake care of ourselves. This is true. That's why you have augmentation. You know, you want a bigger chest, you can buy it. You want bigger this, you can buy it. You can't, don't even, you ain't got to work out to lose weight. What you can do is to make an appointment. What's that one to be on TV now? Son of Bella. Son of Bella. They take care of you in one day and you go home. Okay? Think about that. That's all about, about this, this obsession, not with health. Because you're not getting this cut on you because of health. The commercial show, I look like this. And God, son of Bella. You know, it's vanity. There we go. Right. And there's a whole book on vanity. That's a sin. That's, a sin. Yeah. That's pride of life. That's a sin. And again, what we just learned is expand yeah. our minds. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So thank you guys for just exercising. We had two good classes. We promise you we will be in James next week. So read ahead. Okay. <laughs> Hello, hello, everyone. This is Tanika Drake from God's Gift Through His Word. You are listening to Walk in Truth Radio with my amazing friend, Pastor Jay. Please be sure to get your encouraging word each and every day on the following podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Podbyte, LoftyCast.com, Google Play Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. Please be sure to always tune in. He always has an amazing, encouraging word. God bless your hearts. Be blessed, motivated, and inspired. Take care, you all.